welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they are doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. My thanks to everyone who listens. Do make sure that you are signed up for the weekly email newsletter. Oftentimes there are exclusives in there that those who subscribe get to see first. So if you're not currently receiving that, start getting access by putting your email address in the sign-up box on the show website, nhte.net. And let me repeat that it's weekly, meaning I'm only going to send to you once a week. There are so many people who I get emails from way more than once a week, and it has really gotten annoying, so I hope it will mean something to you that you will only get an email from me once a week. Joining me today on location in Las Vegas, my guest is a singer, songwriter, vocal producer, and vocal and performance coach who just released a new single in January. She has written with a Grammy Award winner on her original music and co-wrote with another notable name on a song for a motion picture. Her voice has also been heard in popular jingles for commercials, and her voice was heard in a Rugrats movie by Universal Pictures. Here in Las Vegas, she performs on The Strip six nights a week in the role of music icon Cher, and will be doing so next month in Australia and on other 2022 dates in several U.S. cities. You've been hearing an original song of hers called If I Knew. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Lisa McClowery. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Likewise. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate you making time. I can tell we're going to have some fun. No doubt. No doubt. As we just heard in the intro, there are lots of different aspects of what I will call Lisa McClowery Music LLC. (laughs) But before we start peeling back all those different layers, let's first have you tell us all about the song of yours that was just playing called If I Knew. If I Knew. That's off of my freshman album, which I co-wrote and co-produced with a man by the name of Levant Kopic, whom I met in Chicago, and we continued our musical relationship all the way to Hollywood. You know, when you asked me for a song to do a, a bumper, I thought, well, I need something catchy. There's not anything terribly deep about the song, but I think the way that the song was written is pretty interesting mm-hmm. um, for, for me anyway. Um, the way that Van and I would write, would basically we'd go into a recording studio, hit record with absolutely no ideas. He'd be in one room, I'd be in the other. I'd just be singing... Um, a melody and a dummy lyric, which I would create right on the spot wow. without pre-thinking about it. And he would sometimes come, you know, it might be, he might come up with a bass line first, or in that case, he came up with a, a, a bass line. And we just did it on the spot. The entire album was just intuitive. Uh, wow. we, didn't, we didn't pre-think anything. So let's go back to this. If I knew the way it was written, he's in one room, I'm in the other room, we p- press record, and I just start singing some crazy, what we could call a dummy lyric, which I, at the time was crazy little fingers, busy little toes, da 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 da. So I would write the melody and then come back later and write okay. a lyric. But uh, that's how we wrote that entire Spyglass Hill album, just wow. intuitively. And wow. we, we think it's kind of, we like to call it magic, you know? I like to call it unique. That's. So is it not stressful, though, to go in and know that the mic is live and tape is rolling and you have no idea what? No, she's shaking her head no not, already. Not at all. No, not at all, because it was it's just complete trust and being completely open with someone else and 
just trusting whatever comes out of your mouth or whatever comes out of the bass or your instrument, you're, you're very forgiving of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would just let that that uh, hit that record button and we can go on and on and on for a very long period of time, then come back to it in the studio and go, okay, there's a verse, there's a chorus, there's a bridge. Now, yeah. now it makes yeah. sense. So we allow to just be free and then go back and cut and paste. Yeah, and sense. I think as you're describing that, I think I kind of like the absence of the pressure of I'm so focused on this lyric that I wrote or as I wrote this song, I knew that when I got to this point, I wanted to do this with it. And you're putting all this pressure on yourself, whereas now it's much more free and it's just being in service to the song and and being in the moment, really being present. You know, LaVance and I to this day just say we don't even know how that album wrote itself. The album wrote itself. We really had no consciousness of how we wrote it. It's just so open and a really cool experience. Wow, wow. I love that more than eight years into doing this show, 430 episodes in, I can still hear new things like that for the first time. I really don't know that I've ever heard anyone say they went into the studio and just kind of, you know, were spontaneous with with whatever came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really neat. In the intro, I mentioned you're having co-written with a Grammy Award winner, and that is Jim Peterick. But tell me, how did you get connected with him in the first place, and where did you write and record with him? Well, again, I'm, I'm really based out of Chicago, and uh, one day I had both my, my ex-boyfriend and my husband call me and say, Jim Peterick is at the Borders Bookstore doing a presentation for his new book called Songwriting for Dummies. Um and I thought, well, who's Jim Peterick? <laughs> and they said, Lisa, come on. He, he wrote Eye of the Tiger, and he wrote The Search is Over, you know, all the songs you grew up listening to. And I said, yes, okay, I need to go. I need to go and see him. <laughs> so I brought a, a musical friend of mine, and we went and saw Jim Peterick's, um, promoting his book, again, Songwriting for Dummies. And in the course of his presentation, he, Jim introduced a new song called Come Dancing, which he sang for us right there at Borders Books. Mm. And he also mentioned a friend of mine who I had done a lot of commercial work with. And I thought, oh, there's my in. Yeah. There's my in to meet Jim Peterick because I'm sure he meets you know people all the time. So after Jim Peterick's um, book uh, promotion, everyone's waiting in line. I buy my book and I go up to him and I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to say I'm a singer. That would be kind of weird, you know. So instead, I said, we have a mutual friend, Jim, and I'm going to mention his name. I said, his name's Jeff Boyle. And uh, Jim said, oh, yes, we've done a lot of work together. And and that's when I said, well, I'm a singer, and I didn't take up a lot of Jim's time. Mm -hmm. So when I got to my car after meeting Jim Peterick, I called Jeff Boyle, and I Uh said, okay, you have to give me Jim's address because I want to send him a demo. And so two weeks later, Jim Peter contacts wow. me and, and uh, had heard the demo, calls me right into his house. I found out he lived only a half hour away from me. In? In Burridge. In, this is the Chicago area? Chicago okay. area. Mm-hmm. He only, and I didn't know that. And so now I'm driving to Jim's house. I can remember that day going, oh my gosh, I am going to the man who wrote Eye of the Tiger's house. What am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to say? He opens the door. He couldn't have been nicer. He took me all around his backyard, and I felt very comfortable. He had a recording studio in his house, went upstairs to the recording studio, and there I met Larry Millis. Now, the interesting thing about Larry Millis and Jim Peterick, they're also in a group called the Ides of March. Mm-hmm. Their big hit was Vehicle, you know, da-da-da-da-da, the big horn section. I'm your vehicle, baby. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. 
So that's uh, everyone probably recognizes that song. But that's how I met Jim. It was a, basically a, wow. a demo. And then it really grew from there. Um, he became my producer for two albums. We started co-writing together. And I worked with him for over nine years. So there's something that you said in there that I want to go back to and have you clarify because you said I'm based in Chicago, but you perform here six nights a week in Las Vegas. So I assumed, which is always a bad word, I assumed that, oh, she lives in Las Vegas. I want to ask her during the interview when and why she moved to Mm -hmm. Las Vegas. So explain all that to us. I never moved. I'm I'm in a contract with um, Legends in Concert and they put me in different locations. So I'm, I'm a subcontractor with the company, with the show. So I'm, my husband is still in Chicago. I'm based out of Chicago. And for instance, they had me in Myrtle Beach performing theaters there um, for six nights a week for three months. Then they moved me to uh, another city. Where else did I go? Um, Alabama, Foley, Alabama. I performed there for four months under the umbrella of Legends in Concert, playing the role of Cher. Mm-hmm. And now they have me here uh, under contract, uh, playing at the Tropicana. We started in February. Our contract was supposed to go till May 31st. Mm-hmm. They've just extended it to October because the show is doing so well. Wow. So I'm I'm living out of the Tropicana Hotel okay. in a suite. I see. I see. And my, my husband was just here for a while, and my mother and my sister were here, and friends have been here. In fact, I had just had 11 friends come and... And we went to Fremont Street and, and things like that. Neat. So it's it's keeping me sane. Um, I have a <laughs> girlfriend of mine who lives here in Henderson, which is half hour away from, or not even half hour, 20 minutes away from the Tropicana where I'm staying. Mm-hmm. I've known her since the age of seven. So she's just keeping me uh, really grounded. And because being on the road and living in hotels, as yeah, you probably know, yeah. being a speaker uh, can get kind of crazy. Wow. Wow. Oh, I knew this was going to be <laughs> very interesting, and, and we're off to a great start. I, I want to break down, while you're talking about that, I want to break down what you're doing as Cher, sure. because it's important that the audience understands the different shows that you do. So first off, you just started to allude to it. Talk about the show that you do here in Las Vegas, including, I'm going to say when you started doing that, but I, I guess maybe it's with this company that you're referring to because I'm mm-hmm. also curious, you know, how you got the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, I was also going to ask what was it like going through the pandemic with no Las Vegas shows, but I don't know when this all started mm. for you with them. Wow, there's a lot of a lot of good things there. Um, maybe I'll start out by talking about how I became Cher because I never set out to be what, what we call a tribute artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a long history of, of acting in, in different theatrical productions, for instance, you know, Maria in The Sound of Music. I played Eliza Doolittle in uh, My Fair Lady, you know. I wash my face and hands before come on did, you know. Um, so a lot of musicals, and I look at playing Cher as just a fantastic, outrageous role. It's, it's spectacular to play this empowering, colorful woman, um, night after night, and just to, to break a lot of rules on the stage. So, again, I never set out to be a tribute artist. It's, I look at this as just another fantastic acting role. But the way that I fell into the tribute world... Let me interrupt you for a minute. Sure. I want, audience, did you hear what she just said? She said, I look at this as another fantastic acting role. Yes. So you almost look at it as, I was cast in My Fair Lady. I was cast in, insert title of musical here. Now yes. I'm being cast as Cher yes. in... 
legends in Las Vegas or wherever it's being performed. So it's interesting that you refer to it as an acting role and not a singing job, I'll call it. Singing and acting, and I I guess I should say that because it it definitely, most definitely is a singing acting job Um, because I do the walk, the talk, the look, the whole thing, the whole bag. Um, As a tribute artist is what Legends in Concert coins us. That's how they frame us, Um, what our roles are. We have to be able to do our own makeup, so we have to come up with the the look. Um, I'm in makeup for two hours, becoming Cher, because I don't look anything like Cher. As you, so you're talking like applying your own makeup. Yes, There's not have, a makeup artist that no, the Tropicana no, has. That, wow. No. We have to create uh, our own costumes. So being a tribute artist not only is the walk, the talk, the look, we have to do the makeup and be able to provide the costumes. Well, and as we all know, in her heyday, Cher was very well known for her very elaborate, exotic costumes. And that was another thing that I wondered is exactly what you're talking about. Does the Tropicana provide them to her or does this company that you're referring to provide them? And, you know, do you do wardrobe changes throughout the show? And where does someone go since now you're saying it's on you? Where do you go to find these exotic costumes that would be what Cher was known for? The way that Legends in Concert works. First of all, Legends in Concert is based out of Las Vegas. They're a company that's been around for 33 years. They've played at the Harris Casino, um, at Flamingo, wow. and now they're at the Tropicana. Wow. Now they have a residency there. Um, but yes, we, we're, we as the artists are supposed to provide our own costumes. Yes, and Cher has Bob Mackie style, very specific type of costumes, which I certainly... I don't have the talent to do that. I can put a jacket together with pants, mm-hmm. things like that, off the shelf. But And then you embellish them with jewels and things like that. But I have found a few people to create costumes here in town who have actually had a connection with either Bob Mackey or Cher. Wow. Griselda Espinosa, I'm going to say her name because I think she's fabulous. And then Kevin Bennett is the other person that um, is currently creating my If I Could Turn Back Time new Cher outfit. And uh, I'm actually going to be picking that up today after I see you. So I'm excited to get it. I'm up, I'm always trying to upgrade the costumes. So, so are you changing during the show? So in this particular show, again, this is not the show that I produce. So this is going to it'll be two mm-hmm. different answers. But with Legends in Concert, my moment on stage is about 15 to 20 minutes long in terms of my set. Okay. And this particular show also has Lady Gaga, Celine Dion, and Adele. And then we have okay. Frank Marino, which a lot of people would know here. He's a celebrity host um, based out of Vegas, and he had his own show called The, D- the Divas. Mm-hmm. So what Legends in Concert is calling this particular show at the Tropicana is Legendary Divas. So it's taking Frank Marino's show, which is The Divas, ah. and Legends in Concert and combining them together. So again, we have Lady Gaga, Cher, uh, Celine Dion, and Adele, and Frank Marino, who is... In okay. between all of our So I acts. can see why you wouldn't be changing because you're doing a 15 or 20 minute set. and So I do change once during that 20 minute segment that I'm on stage. And then there's an opening act and a closing act with all the women. Ah, so okay. let me think about it. I, so Cher has me, has one, one costume in the opening act. Then when I do my actual 20 minute segment, I will change my wig and change my jacket, <laughs> and then for the closing, I'm in another costume. So four wigs, four different wigs. And so then getting back to one of the original questions, I knew I threw a lot at you. So sure. when did you first start into the role of Cher? 
So that was uh, kind of a long story, and I'll try to make it short. And again, I never set out to be a, a tribute artist, or um, and I, I always liked Cher, but I never found the correlation uh, that there could be a career in, mm-hmm. in, in being mm-hmm. a Cher tribute artist. So when did it start? I would say probably my first gig with Legends was in 2016. Mm. But how did that happen? Well, I was in Chicago, and um, I would usually... I had a name out in Chicago for several years, enough where people would hire me again and again. Um, And, for instance, a corporate function might say, well, Lisa, could you put together a jazz show for us? Or can you put together um, a rock show? Mm -hmm. And so those particular clients would come to me for new ideas every time that they had another corporate event. And this time I thought... So let me let me go back. I had a show that I produced called Rock the 80s, mm-hmm. where I would sing all of these songs from, from Journey and Heart and uh, Madonna, and I included Cher, If I Could Turn Back Time. And the whole goal was to sound like these different characters without being in costume for my I Rock see. the 80s show. And someone in the audience said, man, you sound just like Cher. Have you ever thought of being a tribute artist? And I, wow. said, I said, what is that? I'm from <laughs> Chicago. I never heard the term. Uh, in, in Vegas, apparently, it's a, a term that's used yeah. all the time. And so I said, well, what, what is a tribute artist? And they explained that you can make a whole career out of portraying this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought, okay, well, that sounds interesting. I'll, I'll add that to my menu to give to these corporate functions and see if they'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And somebody that I had worked with, or you know, one of these companies that I'd put shows together for constantly said, "Well, yeah, that looks interesting. Let's let's try that." That's when I went out and bought the wig. Ah, uh, okay. Sight unseen, they they wanted to buy the wow. the share show. Wow. So basically, um, for that corporate function, I did two short sets for them. I created my own costumes um, and barely knew how to do the makeup at the time, but I had the voice down. Not the speaking voice, just the singing voice. Mm, so interesting. I, so for that corporate function, I did two sets for them, interspersed in between their speaker. They had a speaker mm-hmm. that night, and um, and, a, and a dance portion of the evening. But I did my early share and older share, like I did um, the early years of uh, "Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves" is one of the songs, yeah. and um, "I've Got You, Babe." And then later on, I did some of her. You know, Strong Enough was one of the songs, and mm. Woman's World, and If I Could Turn Back Time. So for the show here at Tropicana, mm-hmm. is there an understudy for all of you? Because if Lisa gets sick, there is no share that night. At the moment, there is no understudy for me, but when I go to Australia with Legends in Concert, there will be another share taking over for me. Okay. So that's going to happen in June. But I wanted to go back to originally how I got the, the gig with uh-huh with Legends and Concert, because I think it's kind of cool. When I was doing these corporate functions, my husband just casually recorded the performance of my first share performance with an iPad, and it was just very casual. And um, that same person who said to me that day as I was performing my Rock the 80s concert, you should uh, be a tribute artist, that same person said, why don't you send that video to Legends and Concert? And mm-hmm. I said, what's Legends and Concert? So I can remember it. The corporate function was on a Saturday night. My husband recorded it that night. Monday morning, I sent Legends in Concert 
that video just off the iPad. And they called me two hours later. Wow. And then a series of auditions started to happen via Skype. And uh, I did two Skype auditions. Then they flew me out to Vegas. Wow. And then I did two more days of auditioning. One of the days they showed me how to do the makeup. Because I mm. prior to being Cher, I would very, wear very little makeup. Mm. Maybe a little eyeliner and some lip gloss. That's how I used to be. And so I had to learn this whole new world of wow. stage makeup. Wow. And um, it took several years to do that, but I had to be able to apply. That was part of the audition. Here's what we want to see. This is how much makeup we want to see on you. Um, stage makeup is very different than regular everyday makeup, and we need to know that you can do that. So then when did you actually start performing as Cher in, all, in, in Legends? 2016, December of 2016. Oh, wow. So then you were affected by the shutdown of all the Las Vegas shows. Well, it's true. Vegas did did go down, but some of the other theaters that uh, Legends has across the country were open. So I did ah, actually work during COVID, okay, okay. and um, the theaters were pretty meager in terms of you know the audience members that were out yeah. there, and uh, the audience members were separated in the theater sure, and had to wear sure. their masks. And and of course, Legends was very strict about us being tested. Yeah, but I did work course. through through COVID wow, actually. Wow. I wonder what you think when you look up at the billboards all over town for Legendary Divas and see Cher on there, knowing that it's actually yourself. How does that make you feel knowing that it's you, even if it actually does look like her? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It's fun to see that, to see the billboards, and especially when your family comes into town and your friends come into town. I get a kick out of their reactions. Actually, on my way here to this interview, I was right behind a taxi cab that had the picture. <laughs> and, and, and what's weird is I, I looked at it and I didn't think anything of it. And like, wait a second, that's me. <laughs> so I took a picture and I sent it to my husband and my mom. I said, it's just weird sometimes because you see these images and they don't really register. Yeah. And, um, and then a few seconds later, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. But I think that's a credit to how good the costume is, how good you are doing with the wig, the makeup, the whole nine yards, that people look at it and they go, oh, it's Cher. And if you go, well, it, it is, but it's actually Lisa McClowry, they'd go, what? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So, you know, to look at that as yourself and go, oh, that's actually me. <laughs> it must be kind of surreal. Sometimes it is, and it's fun to, since I live in the Tropicana Hotel, a lot of times after the performances, I'll get on the elevator with the very people who've actually seen the show, and I find it fun that there's a big poster in the elevator with with our image on it, with mine included, and they're all talking about the show, and they're you know, and I'm standing. But you're up, looking like this, like you right, are right so now. Right, so they with don't me. Know, they don't have any yeah. idea. <laughs> so it's fun to to hear their response to the images and their response to the show, and actually be on the elevator with them. Yeah, that's cool. So you started to mention this briefly. I want to make sure that we give you a chance to talk about going to Australia next month and talking about June, uh, including the fact that in the lead up to today, you used the word again in reference to going there. Oh, going to Australia. I did go to Australia with Legends in Concert. Um, we went to Melbourne. Crown Melbourne is where we performed. And um, I, can, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 2018. So, yes, I'm going back there again. But this time we're going to Sydney, Australia, and we're going to the Gold Coast. And so for how long will that be? It'll be a two-week two period. 
Is it is I don't I don't mean to to use the word just, but is it just one show every every day? To be honest with you, I'm not sure mm-hmm. exactly how many shows are lined up for us because that does change, and I think part of it has to do with COVID. Mm. Um, because we, originally we were supposed to go out to Australia in March, but it got moved to June due but to COVID. But is it ever a case of, oh, Bruce, we would never do more than one show in a day, or or is that possible? So we've done more than one show in a day. Wow. Yeah, wow. We, we have done that, and especially here in Vegas. Um, prior to COVID, a lot of times we would do two shows in one day. Hmm. I'm joined today on location in Las Vegas by singer, songwriter, vocal producer, and vocal and performance coach Lisa McClowery. Visit her official website at lisamclowery.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on her website, you will see icons to follow Lisa on social media. I am following her now on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm sure she would appreciate you doing the same. Look to for the YouTube logo so you can check out her official channel and all the videos on there. Plus, she is on Spotify as well, so do follow her on there. Her original music is available through her website as well as on Apple Music. And for those of you in North Carolina, Georgia, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, the list goes on. Lisa is coming your way. We will be talking about that next. But do look at the dates section of lisamcloury.com to see where and when you can go see her perform, in addition to obviously here in Las Vegas. At the end of this month, May 26th to the 29th, I will be speaking in Orlando at PodFest Multimedia Expo. However, if you are thinking of starting a podcast or already have one, but in either case, have questions, you can talk with me directly from wherever you are located. I have taken my more than eight years of podcasting experience to the video realm, meaning personal one-on-one online video consultations, helping people at various stages of their podcast journey and across different genres of shows. You too can get help from me specific to your podcasting questions, your challenges, etc. Don't just guess your way through it or watch videos from someone that you had otherwise not heard of and who's just speaking at and not with you. Email me via podcast at nhte.net and let's get online together to talk through your podcasting efforts. Lisa, as I mentioned in there, while we just heard you talk about going to Australia in June, you've got lots of dates and cities in 2022 where people can see you do share, but in a show that's different from the one you perform in here in Las Vegas. So tell us about that. Okay. Um, So I have a show that I've self-produced and created. It's called The Beat Goes On, and this is a share concept slash tribute show. And it takes you through six decades of share hits. I do eight costume changes in that one. And it takes you all the way from the beginning, you know, um, with with not only the look, but the song. So we'll start out with songs like um, I've Got You, Babe, Mm -hmm. Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves, Half Breed. um, And then we'll take you through the disco era, the 80s era, movies, movies. so it's hard to transition because I'm so deep in the Legends of the Concert right now. So to mm. talk about my own show, it's very hard because I, I'm going to be doing that very soon. So so this sounds like, obviously, you have a full band that travels with you to all these different cities. We do. And this band has been with me since, gosh, for 15 years or so. 
And um, they all have their own lives and their own wonderful stories. And uh, I want to mention them because I just think the world of them. So we've got Mike Aquino. We've got Clem Hayes. We have Ed Breckenfeld, John Blasucci, uh, Joanne Doherty, who also uh, have two different keyboard players that uh, I work with, depending on who's available that day. But all of them have great histories, you know. Clem works with Boss Skaggs. John Blasucci's worked with Dennis DeYoung and toured with him over the years. Um, Mike Aquino and uh, Ed Breckenfeld and Clem have all worked with Jim Peterick and anyone that Jim Peterick has brought into his world, which is a lot of the 80s icons. So I feel really blessed to have um, this level of musicianship in the show. So you you counted five there a five-piece mm-hmm. band. Yes. Are you the only one that sings, or do one or more of them do backing vocals? So one or more will do backing vocals, yes. Okay. So Mike Aquino um, and Joanne on occasion will as well. I take it that with it being, quote-unquote, just Cher and the body of work that she has, the show can't really change from one city to the next. Am I right? For our show, for, for The Beat Goes On, um, it's it's the same show. Because other than saying, you know what, we've never done this song by her before. Let's Mm-mm. do that in place of this. I don't know what you really could change. No, it's a, it's a good question because our show is set up very much like a Broadway production or even a, a, a Las Vegas production where it's very specific because we play different casinos and, and things like that where you ah. have to be exactly 90 minutes. You cannot oh, go over. And and what's what's also great about our show is it's it's synced to video. So there are very specific video moments that are happening. Um, For instance, when I do one of my eight costume changes, the guitarist, Michael Quino, will come up uh, center stage and do part of a a great solo. But on the screen, you're also going to hear me as as a voiceover as Cher telling the story of Cher's life, and you will see some images of Cher. So it's educational. Um, You do feel like you're, you're walking through the life of Cher, from her perspective. I can't get over that. You just said that you do eight costume changes and the show is 90 minutes. Yes. I mean, that's exhausting. <laughs> the, the costume changes are 90 seconds long. Wow. Wow. Mm. Let's move on to some of your other projects. So many artists nowadays want to get film and or TV placement. Mm-hmm. You not only co-wrote a song for a motion picture, but did a voice in another movie. So talk about those two projects. Sure. Um, so I'll talk about the Rugrats because that happened first. I played the princess in the Rugrats in Paris movie, uh, by Universal Pictures. Yes, that's correct. Cause I, I did two movies, so I did some, I get confused as to who, <laughs> what company it was, but yes, the Rugrats in Paris and a lot of the music for these Rugrats movies was written by Mark Mothersbaugh. You might remember Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. His big hit was whip it good. Crack that whip, yeah. you know, um, so to be able to write a song with him, actually, I'm, I'm switching movies. Uh, Rugrats in Paris. Yes, Mark Mothersbaugh did write the song that I sang in that movie, which was called Reptar, I Love You. <laughs> and it's basically singing about a giant lizard. And um, it went something like, Reptar, he's no ordinary monster. He's a lizard with a heart of gold. Don't believe the lies you've been told. He's a fire-breathing child to me. So, so cool. That was I, I recorded that um, in Hollywood, and I can remember that day because this is the first time I'm singing for a movie. Mm. 
and I was so nervous. And uh, I want to bring back the fact that my current partner in crime, Levant Kopic, who I wrote that Spyglass Hill album with, mm-hmm. was actually the engineer that day. Ah. Um, and I had strep throat. I remember I had strep throat that day with seven different people directing me, including the animator of the film, the director, wow. um, Mark Mothers by himself, so the composer of the song, wow. uh, the engineer. So there were you know seven people in the room and uh, just highly, highly stressful, but one of the most exciting <laughs> days of my life. So that was Rugrats in Paris. And then um, that particular collaboration, that's how I got into writing a song with Mark Mothersbaugh because I sang one of his songs in, a, in another movie. Okay. So we wrote a song together called Through the Eyes of a Child, which um, it's really what I'm all about. You know, um, it's why I do music to begin with is, is as a child, I always wanted to, to follow my dream of singing, which I did. And I, I, I really emphasize that with other people. Follow your dreams, you know, take risks, feel the fear and do it anyway. So basically, Through the Eyes of a Child is a song all about that, following your dreams and not being afraid to do that. And, it, and the song ended up as the theme song for the movie. And I was lucky enough to be able to sing my own song in the movie. And um, you'll also hear the orchestration play throughout the movie. I don't know how many times it mm. plays, but it plays many times. So it was really fun to actually see the song come to life. You know, we finish writing the song, and then the next day an orchestrator orchestrates it. And I, I can't remember how many pieces it was, but it was pretty elaborate mm. orchestra. And we got to watch the orchestra perform the song we just write. It's interesting to me that you brought up following your dream, because in preparation for today, I was reading about how, as a very, very, very young girl, you were put into piano lessons mm. and you kind of did it begrudgingly and you would kind of cheat and like play by ear and make it look like you were right. reading. But you eventually decided like my voice is the instrument that I really want to pursue and yes. like the heck with the piano, because I'm always fascinated when I am interviewing somebody in my preparations, turn up the fact that this person appears to be a singer and yet they'll play one or more instruments. And so I thought, Oh, I just found out she actually plays piano too. Mm-hmm. No, nope, keep reading. Not really. So I'm, I'm assuming that when you songwrite, that maybe you write on the piano to I, some extent? I play, yes, I play a bit of piano and I play a bit of guitar, but it's more of a supporting instrument. And I don't ever want to label myself as either a piano player or, or a guitarist because I've worked with people who have dedicated sure, their entire sure. lives to that. Um, but I can, I can say... 100% I am a singer. I have studied it. I have studied everything about it. Um, so I feel very confident in labeling myself that. Yeah, and I think the other side of it is once you say that you're a piano player or you're a guitar player, I think people expect to go see you perform live and be playing one or both of those instruments. Right. And for someone who, as we're hearing, overwhelmingly is singing right now as share. You're not going to be in a position where you're playing guitar or piano, so it's like it doesn't really make sense to, you know, to present myself as playing one or both of those instruments. Right. Usually, I, if I use those instruments, it's it's to show someone who really knows how to play. These are my ideas, and can you do it right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Can you do it right? Tell us also about your voice having been heard in some commercials, both in terms of singing and voiceover work. Sure. Sure. I think. Some people would remember the Applebee's commercial, um, eating good in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That ran for three years. 
So I was that was you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. There's there's been many other artists. Uh, Kathy Richardson, who's a friend of mine, also had a, a long contract with that uh, jingle. So they usually keep switching the the mm. artists out. But I, mine ran for three years. And then uh, Tressa May Hair Care Products, where I was the voiceover and the singer. And um, that was actually my first jingle gig ever. And the way that that happened was going back to Jeff Boyle. Remember I mentioned him earlier in this conversation? It's, you know, life is a big circle. Um, I worked for him uh, for, for a, a, a jingle company because his partner's wife heard through the eyes of a child at the movie theater ah. and found out that I was a Chicago girl and that's how I got hired to do commercials in Chicago simply because somebody saw the movie mm. The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle with my song Through the Eyes of a Child. They liked the song so much, figured I was in Chicago. So I never really chased doing commercials. Somebody somebody found me on that. Um, so going back to this Tresemme commercial, Jeff Boyle calls me up and says, do you know how to speak French? I said, I can do it phonetically because my mom speaks French and I listen. <laughs> so um, all I had to do was, Tresame, ooh-la-la. That was the jingle. Uh, okay. And the voiceover was uh, professional, affordable, Tresame. <laughs> and that ran for three years um, in the United States and in Europe. And it was a beautiful, consistent payday for because it was a union gig. So... I, I never saw so many envelopes stacked. It was always fun to go to the, uh, you know, stacked with checks because they were um, residuals yeah, for those yeah. commercials. Wow. Well, I have referred to you as both a vocal producer and a vocal and performance coach. Mm-hmm. Tell us about those different roles, including are you open for business? Well, that I just take on certain people and certain projects depending on uh, my availability and if I really feel like I could help someone. And there have been some occasions recently, well, I want to talk about this one because this is probably one of my most favorite. Um, I had Carl Giamarisi of the Buckinghams call me out of the blue. I knew of him. First of all, uh, for those who, who aren't familiar with the Buckinghams, their big hit was kind of a drag, kind of a drag, well, my baby don't love you. Or... um their big hit was Susan. Susan, looks like I am losing. I'm losing my mind. Do you remember these songs? I remember the first one. Okay. And then they had a big hit, Don't You Care. Don't you care, don't you care. I remember that one too. So Carl, who was the founder of the Buckinghams, calls me up out of the blue. At that time, I was doing Legends in Concert in Myrtle Beach. And um, he sent me a song and wanted to know if I'd be interested in collaborating on it to some capacity. And it was, back then it was a song called uh, Can You Love Me Forever? And I thought it was a nice song. I just was so deep in, into playing Cher, and I really wasn't going to be putting out any original music. And I just thought, he's a really cool guy. I could tell by talking to him, and he's got a great reputation. I want to find some way to continue working with this man. Said and I, I, but I wasn't prepared to get in deep with, with an original song and you know mm-hmm, rewriting mm-hmm. lyrics and re, you know, phrasing and production. So um, I said, why don't we do a virtual duet, and why don't we do one of your songs? We we already mm-hmm. know it's a hit, so we did a virtual duet, never meeting each other. Um, the don't you care, the Buckingham's mm-hmm, hit, mm-hmm. 
which is one of my one of my favorite projects because he did his videotaping at his house and he did his audio recording at his house and I did my audio recording from my little apartment and my videotape from my little iPhone uh, at the apartment that I was living in Myrtle Beach while on the Legends and Concert Tour. And um, basically that video, I hope people check it out because it, it really did turn out really neat. Um, if you go to YouTube, you'll see it. So basically all I did was take our footage put it back to back so it looks like we're sitting in the same room back to back. Ah. And um, that started this whole world of working with Carl Giamarese, which I've gotten, I'm just so excited to work with him because uh, we did two other projects. And one of the projects is an original now called I Will Love You Forever, Mm -hmm. which is the song he originally reached out to me with. And it changed and it has grown and he allowed me to produce his vocal on that which was an absolute joy because it, you get this wonderful, he's got this wonderful tool, this wonderful voice. Um, not only is the tone beautiful, but there's just so much heart and, and soul that comes across. And, um, you know, that, that right there, you could have the best technique in the world, the best colors in your voice, but um, he's got this just amazing heart and soul that really mm. comes across when you hear him sing. So it was just a pleasure to produce that vocal. And for him to trust me meant a lot. There's something that you talked about earlier on that I want to go back to because I know that you this took up a, a significant portion of time for you, so I think it merits us giving more time to during this conversation, which is you also performed extensively in the theater before taking on the role of Cher in the various shows that we've talked about during yes. this episode. So just show, share with us more about all that you had done theater-wise. Um, some of the roles that I've played was... Uh... Maria from The Sound of Music, you know, Doe, a deer, a female deer, um, you know, Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, which my my dad um, played Henry Higgins, if you're familiar mm. with, the, with the show. So that was a real special one. Uh, I played Sarah Brown in Guys and Dolls. Um, Where were all these, in Chicago or around the country? So all of them were, were in Chicago, um, the Athenaeum Theater was a theater that, uh, like a semi-professional theater. I did a lot of summer stock in Indiana. Uh, I played a role like Lady Larkin in the Once Upon a Mattress. Uh, I I did a lot of comedy with um, Players Workshop of Second City. Hmm. So, uh, you know, where a lot of the the famous SNL uh, comedians studied so clearly, all this theater work that you're talking about really helped when it came to stepping into the role of share because Absolutely. of the way that you phrased it earlier that it was stepping into a role and not I'm going to go and do share cover songs as some people would mislabel it. No, I I, just, I have the mindset of I, I go and I do this show and I try to represent her as best as I can. You know, she deserves that that respect and um, she's paved the way for so many people in this industry. And then at the end of the night, I put her in a box. Well, and the way I'm thinking of it, because I'm listening to you cite the specific roles that you played in My Fair Lady, et cetera, et cetera, all these different musicals. Mm -hmm. So now it's just a case of somebody saying, oh, legends, hey, Tropicana, who do you have cast in the role of Cher? Who do you have cast as Lady Gaga? Who do you have cast as Celine Dion, et cetera? So you're doing a good job of helping me see why, yeah, just almost lump it right in with all the musicals because I'm in a singing acting role. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think um, 
not every tribute artist looks at it that way. Um, I think some of the tribute artists that I've known, their whole life is invested on on being that person and that character. Um, and it's magnificent, you know, because they've really studied every aspect of it and they live it and breathe it. But um, I enjoy having all the different colors of different characters. And I'm definitely a singer first and then an, an actress second. Because out of the gate, you know, going back to being a kid and playing the piano, when I, when I first learned that I could sing, that became the center of any creativity that I had. Is there any dance involved in the share role? Um, did you have to learn how to dance, or did you already know how to dance? I, I have a background in dance. I mean, I studied okay. dance in college, okay. and what, but I wouldn't call myself a dancer. Again, oh. again, you know, I, I give those people who've invested their entire lives I see. to I to see. the craft. It's something that I did because I knew I needed to do that. It's I not see. it's not in my heart and soul like yeah. singing is. So, um, so I don't call myself a dancer. I call myself a mover. I move. <laughs> I, I know how to move well, mm-hmm. and I know how to. In, in terms of share, I know how to copy the movements. And, um, you know, down to hand gestures and how she walks and wow. how she skips across the stage in her stiletto heels, wow. you know. Wow. So uh, it's a good exercise, that's for sure. But I'm glad that you got that specific because I think people hear, oh, she's playing the role of Cher. How much does she sound like Cher? And mm-hmm. absolutely, that's a huge part of it. But mm-hmm. I think you're saying there's so much more. There's specific gestures with her hands. There's the way that she walks. There's the makeup. There's the hair. There's the outfits. She's got those so. isms, too. And we all know the tongue, the tongue ism she has and the flick of the hair. But there's a lot of expressions that she has, too. And there's a specific type of, uh, style of humor that she has. Let's, let's hear one in a, in a um, speaking voice. So... What she does, she just kind of talks like this. Um, you might remember, are you kidding me with this? Or snap out of it, okay? She has a little vocal fry in her voice, and she licks her lips a lot when she talks, and she talks actually very slowly and very specifically with her S's, very specific. <laughs> oh, that's so, great. I feel like I'm sitting next to Frank Caliendo doing Morgan Freeman because your, your share is so spot on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mentioned back in the intro that Lisa just released a new single in January, a song called I Will Love You Forever. I'm going to play that song, but Lisa, before I do, let's wrap up by having you share with us all about this track, if you would, please. I Will Love You Forever. Okay. I did talk about it a little bit. You know, again, this is uh, co-written with Carl Giamarisi of the Buckinghams. I'm really excited about it because I think it... Uh, it's a song that the world needs, you know, it's all, it's all about love and the purest form of love. And, um, I, I love to be able to share that with everybody as, as, and same with Carl. He's a very genuine, loving person and i happy to put this out for you. Do you feel that when you have done original songs that you've noticed that you're stronger in lyrics or in melody or both together, or I can't say that there really is a pattern? I do well if some, I do, I work with different types of collaborators in different ways. If someone gives me a melody prior, I'm very good at putting a lyric to it. Um, If someone just gives me a music bed of chord changes, I'm very strong at creating a melody over Mm. that with, with a lyric. Interesting. Um, I'm not the person to create that strong music bed again with piano or guitar with chord changes um that that's not me so but i 
creating the melody and the lyric I'm, I feel very comfortable with. And a lot of times if I just get allow my get my consciousness out of the way and let the subconscious mm. work, it's pretty magnificent to go, oh, how did that get written? Wow. And that's some of the... And you, you'll hear that from many songwriters. If you just push your ego aside and your consciousness aside, <laughs> a lot of times your subconscious will provide and... Uh, create some wonderful things for you. Well, before we hear what you and Carl created, let me say thank you. Let me say congratulations. It was wonderful to meet you, and I appreciate you making time to come and be on Now Hear This Entertainment. I've enjoyed this very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lisa. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, vocal producer, and vocal and performance coach, Lisa McClowry. Do visit her official website at lisamcclowry.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land there, look for the icons to engage with Lisa on social media. As I mentioned earlier, I am following her on Twitter and Instagram, and I know she would appreciate you doing the same. We did not talk about her YouTube channel, but do subscribe to that and then watch and like the videos on there. There's one in particular that Lisa mentioned herself. For that matter, tell Lisa that you heard her and her music and now hear this entertainment. You heard her talk about the live performances she does as Cher. On lisamcclowry.com, you will find dates and locations where you can see her in that role, both here in Las Vegas, as well as in Australia in June and other U.S. cities in 2022. Follow Lisa on Spotify and purchase her original music from her website or from Apple Music. A reminder about the ability to get one-on-one with me through a private one-on-one online video consultation to discuss podcasting. Whether you have an idea for a show and need to know how to get started, or whether you have a podcast that's up and running, I would love the opportunity to help you. Between NHTE plus another weekly show that I do and one other that I used to do, I am at approximately 650 podcast episodes that I have hosted over the last eight plus years. It's why you see me a lot of times posting on Instagram about being a speaker, talking about podcasting at various events. Tap into all that experience that I've gained and get your questions answered and the help you need for a podcast of your own. Drop me a message via podcast at nhte.net or DM me on Facebook or Instagram and we will schedule a time to get online together. That's going to do it for episode 430. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Lisa McClowry. This is the one she just talked about. It's called I Will Love You Forever. Didn't mean to fall in love with you this way Now I'm in too deep and I don't know what else I could say I promised myself that I would never fall again To heal a broken heart takes a long time to mend Can you love me forever like you love me tonight? Or will I lose all direction again? the dark turns to light Can you love me forever tonight I'm looking for a chance to show you that I'm the one I want to be the man to earn your trust
Tonight. 